Welcome to another episode of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton, and on this episode, we've got a treat. We're going to talk about the 49ers and the Jaguars, which is, to me, probably one of the games of the week uh, this, this week in NFL football. And I have someone coming on the show today that actually is, is out on the West Coast, you know, definitely knows a little bit about this particular team, the 49ers. That would be Yahoo Sports' Colleen Lawson Freeman. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. This is going to be fun. The San Francisco 49ers are like an hour from me. I went to San Francisco State for grad school, so I was right there. I think this is going to be fun. Awesome, awesome. We're going to get into knowing you as well. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I open my show, of course, with the Get Off Your Chest segment. Of course, we'll get to that too. But, you know, of course, I have to tell everyone that our show is sponsored by manscape.com yes manscape.com is a sponsor of our show you can get 20 percent off manscape.com products and free shipping with the promo code afc south again 20 percent off manscape.com plus free shipping with the promo code afc south manscape.com go ahead and check it out plenty of things like if you you know you want to shop for something for yourself for christmas black friday is coming up or you got somebody that feel, you feel like they need some of these products then go ahead, manscaped.com, 20% off. It's on me. Thank you. Now, let's get to the get off your chest segment. Now, I've been hanging on to this one for just a little bit, but I got to talk about a particular gentleman that got a coaching job with the Las Vegas Raiders. His name, well, he well, he did have a coaching job. He doesn't have it anymore, but that would be Josh McDaniels. Now, Josh McDaniels, for those that don't know, he was the coach, the officer coordinator, I'm sorry, for the, the New England Patriots. Then he went to the Denver Broncos. Then you know how he tried to make Tim Tebow into a pro quarterback when he knew he wasn't? You know, though, that guy. That's him. They were the guy that traded Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall and tried to make you think that he was building a team by trading away its best players. Yeah, that guy. He was a coach, again, in New England as officer coordinator. Faked like he was going to Indianapolis Colts, went back to the, to the New England Patriots. Then he decided he wanted to go to the Las Vegas Raiders. But what he tried to do was make it New England West. You know, he brought the offense coordinator. He brought the general manager. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this New England West out here. I got Devontae Adams. I got – I can bring him in via trade. I got Derek Carr. But I don't need Derek Carr. I'm going to go get Jimmy G. You know, Jimmy G might be better. No, he really wasn't. But, uh, you know, Devontae Adams really wasn't happy, throwing his helmet, saying he had nothing else to really say. Then he got the greatest birthday present ever. Now, it wasn't his birthday. I'm just saying it was a birthday present. But anyway, um, he got the greatest present ever. Josh McDaniels got fired. Yes, he did. He got fired. And, of course, you know, leading into that, everyone's talking about the team meeting and all those different things where they were kind of ragging on him, I guess, and kind of – flipped on him and of course he you know he talked about how well, the word out there is, is that he talked about how you know don't talk about the Patriots again he said that to like Antonio Pierce which who is now the head coach so you know Josh McDaniel bye-bye please don't know you're, you're there are certain guys that are supposed to be head coaches and there's certain guys that are just offensive coordinators you my guy are an offensive coordinator. Stick in that lane, stay in that lane, 
be one with an offensive coordinator because you and being a head coach, that just ain't it. You got anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that that meeting. And one thing that I think is important to add is the, the kind of like culture talk aspect. Antonio Pierce, you know, he was part of the Giants that that beat the Patriots. And he said the reason why they were able to do that was because they believed there was no one that could beat them and that the current Raiders under McDaniels didn't have that mentality. And that was something that really offended McDaniels, reportedly, according to what we all read. So to me, that's the most important part, because now you look at this team under Antonio Pierce, who just seems to be bringing a brand new energy. The vibes seem high, like almost too high. But like, I'm going to let them have it. You know, they want to smoke their cigars after wins. They want to, um, you know, take videos in the locker room and all that stuff. You got Devontae Adams. I don't know if you saw that video, but he was at a, like a college hoops game. And he was talking to a ref and he was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be better now. It's like, OK, well, we know why you think that because you really have it with McDaniel. So to me, that culture part is the biggest, the biggest aspect. Obviously, you're right. McDaniel's tried to do a whole bunch of a whole bunch of ill-fated, a whole just a whole thing that didn't work, you know, like a whole bunch of stuff that didn't work. But I think maybe the culture part is the, the part that he kind of blinked on the most. If you've been an athlete at all, you know that that's like make or break. So we'll see what they do now with him gone. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's almost like uh, the Wizard of Oz, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead, the witch is dead. It's almost, it's almost kind of like that, you know, in terms of the Raiders. And uh, the funny thing is, you know, they were smoking cigars. Um, when I was in college, I played college football. So our coach said after every win, he was going to give us cigars. So <laughs> literally our last game of the season, he get, we win the game. He gives us all cigars where we got there's a cannon you that fired when we scored touchdowns or whatever. We're oh, out there yeah. on the field smoking cigars, firing the cannon, and all kind of different just debauchery for that after that game. Yeah, see, <laughs> so, I can't relate to that. I ran track. If we smoked cigars after wins, we wouldn't do well the next meet. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that was for my sport, but it looks cool. It always looks cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely uh, looked like fun. I was like, man, you know, I, I was having a flashback to those days. But, you know, I'm not going to talk too much about those because I'm gonna, probably going to say some stuff that some people don't want people to know. So, you know, I'm going to kind of exit on over that. We're going to kind of dive into the show because people are just now seeing you on my show. This is the first time you've come on. So I want to help people get to know you. So where did you grow up? I grew up right here in Sacramento, California. I was actually born in New York. That's where my dad's from. But we moved here when I was like three. And this is, I mean, I went to school in California. So I went to undergrad at UC Riverside. I ran track there. Then I went to grad school at San Francisco State, ran track there too. So I've been a California girl, which is so funny because my name is Callie. And my parents didn't know that this is where they would end up. So <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, you know, you mentioned you grew up out in California. You went to school uh, a couple of different spots in California as well. Mm -hmm. um, can you kind of tell everyone uh, your athletic ex exploits as well? Yeah, I mean, so I ran track at Riverside, which is like a mid-major D1. I did the hurdles there. I'm very proud to say that I'm on the top 10 all-time list in the 60-meter hurdles indoor for now. I'm sure I'll be knocked off soon because I'm like number nine on, on there. But I like started <laughs> running um, hurdles in college. I didn't start running track until 
my junior year of high school. So it was all just like brand new to me. Um, and I walked on to, to Riverside. Like I went to junior college first. So I just had like a crazy journey. And then I was offered like a scholarship to get my master's for free if I kept running track. So I just kind of rode that train. Like I didn't think that sports would be as big a part of my life as they were. Like I was a big basketball fan. I played basketball in high school, but I wasn't very good. <laughs> like that was my <laughs> my family sport. And so I'm really grateful for all the doors that track opened for me. I got to travel like all over the country. Like that's what you do when you're an athlete. You know, you do have meets in all different types of states and stuff. So it was a great experience. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I had that. <laughs> Yeah, the, the one time I ever went to the West Coast to play any type of sport, I actually, I don't think, I don't, I don't think you can consider it the West Coast. It was uh, Alaska. I went to Alaska my mm. junior year of high school. We played against the, the state champion there. We beat them 40 to nothing. Wow. And I, oh my a, and I scored my the only touchdown of my high school career. I picked off a pass and ran back 50 yards. So, oh, see, yeah. that, that must, that's another thing. I'm like so envious of, people who can say they played football in high school. I played powder puff, which is all you get as a girl. You know, there's no, but like, I can't imagine playing football in high school. It just seems like it'd be so fun, but. Yeah, I wore, number, I wore number 21. I had high socks. I had the, uh, yeah, I, I thought I was Dion for a minute there, but I was like, you know, I quickly realized I am not that fast. I <laughs> play my position and do what I can do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, hey, that's like all you can do in any sport. I feel like that's why I was like, you know what, let me just play my position. Like I made myself available for the four by four when they needed me. Whatever they asked me to do, I was like, let me just play my position. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It's all we can do, right? Exactly. Um, now, speaking of all we can do, I mean, the 49ers kind of transitioning there. The 49ers mm -hmm. did all they could do when they started the season 5-0 and they struck a lot of fear in a lot of teams. Yeah. However... They are now on a three-game losing streak. And mm -hmm. one name that keeps getting mentioned over and over and over again in that three-game losing streak is Brock Purdy. The quarterback of the 49ers um, started the season, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Of course, last three games, three touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, not necessarily instilling a lot of confidence uh, in some that have the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. However, you know, it is a long season and things happen. Of course, adjustments happen too. Uh, but is there anything you just want to ask, is there anything you've kind of noticed about him that's kind of uh, thrown his playoff recently that you may have seen out there? You know, I mean, that's a great question. You could say that the absence of Debo could maybe make a difference. You know, he's been out for, for two games. He's supposed to be coming back for this one, which is good. But I think to me, whenever I've been watching the 49ers, it's like I'm always looking at everything surrounding Brock Purdy instead of like him specifically. And I think at the beginning of this season, he was acutely aware of that. Like he knew the chatter, which is that maybe the 49ers were good, like in spite of him. And so then like in that Steelers win, I can't remember who made the dig, but somebody was like, oh, I'm going to get an interception because, you know, Brock Purdy – is not that good the, if they have an so, uh, Patrick QB, Peterson. yeah Patrick they have Peterson. quarterback friendly quarterback friendly offense and um their offense has tells and that type of thing and so that game you really saw Brock Purdy like rise to the occasion and he was able to like throw it in his face and 
So I think that kind of did instill confidence for a moment, but like pretty quickly there, the question started swirling again. And then by week five, it was just like, okay, this is, it doesn't matter if he's good or not. Like that was really my takeaway because everything was going so well. And that week five win over the Cowboys, like you had everyone playing well. And so to me, it's like, now you can't say that. Like the defense is struggling. You're missing players on offense. And also Brock Purdy's not playing well. And so I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it was always interesting. You know, I was watching the last game against the Bengals and I don't know what he was doing outside of the pocket. He just, I, I looked up and the Bengals had the ball. I was like, okay, what happened? I had to watch the replay. I was like, okay, why was he trying that? I mean, I know, mm-hmm. uh, I know he thinks he's a very, very talented quarterback and I'm not saying he isn't a talented quarterback, but there's just certain things that Brock Purdy doesn't do to be that quarterback of the 49ers. And he was doing some of those things. I was like, okay, um, who replaced him with the Sam Darnold that was playing for the Carolina Panthers? Who did that? So, you know, that's where my mind was kind of going and a little bit watching that. But of course, like you mentioned, Brock Purdy isn't the only reason this team is, has lost three straight. And that is the defense, the defense, I mean, they were getting to the pass. pass uh, they, the pass rush was getting to the quarterback. I, I kind of got you know the card ahead of the horse there for a minute, but um, the pass rush was getting to the quarterback. But unfortunately, last three games have not been quite getting there. Now that has kind of exposed their secondary a little bit. I mean, you know, you had our Char- uh, Tredavious Ward there. I, I'm sorry if I butchered your name. Matt. My apologies, but anyway. Um, he just, you know, it just seems like the pass rush is kind of, you know, slipped a little bit. And then, you know, you just don't see the guys getting there. Now, is this a product of teams getting the ball out quicker? Because it seems like they're getting the ball out a lot quicker. Or is it just the pass rush is just not as ferocious and doesn't have as much uh, bite to it as it usually has for the 49ers the last three weeks? Gosh, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm. Have you like really looked at tape to try? I, I have no idea. I think. Oh, I have. That, so what, what, what's your inclination? I kind of, I'm curious now that you posed that question. My inclination is uh, they're getting the ball out quicker, which a lot of teams are, but um, they're putting a lot of attention towards uh, Nick Bosa, which I can totally understand that one. And then also what they're doing is um, the big guys in up front, like Hargrave. I think Hargrave is not having quite the impact the last few weeks that he was having a little bit earlier, and that's the big key, him and Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead mm-hmm. is a guy that, you know, be, I'll be honest, I wanted, um, God, I can't remember his name, plays for the Colts now, because him and uh, Armstead and the guy for the Colts, I can't remember his defensive tackle. God, I forgot his name, but anyway. Um, they traded him on draft day and, and drafted Javon Kinlaw to be his replacement. And Eric Armstead got paid. Well, I thought it should have been the reverse way. Eric Armstead gone and the guy that went to the Colts still be here there. But it didn't happen. And now, to me, I can't remember really any impact Eric Armstead has had on this on the team this year. I can't remember him making a sack. I can't remember him making a play. I just can't remember it. That's not to try to down him. I'm just saying right. I really can't remember him making a play this year. So that's two guys right there I think are missing in action that they need to kind of step up their game. I think once one of those guys at least are able to do so, 
I think that defense kind of gets its uh, rhythm back a little bit more because that secondary is, to me, getting exposed. Um, not saying that necessarily they're horrible. No, they're not. But they're going to, you know, they're not going to be playing man-to-man all the time. And when they are playing man-to-man, it's not necessarily a good sign that they're playing, if they're playing it, uh, you know, more than what they're used to playing, especially with no pass rush getting there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think this will be an interesting week for for Steve Wilkes because there's been so much pressure on him and so much talk about him and that Vikings loss, that all-out blitz that he called was like super ill-fated. That ended up being like a long <laughs> touchdown to Jordan Addison. I think things like that are what fans are going to be focused on this week. Like what is Steve Wilkes going to be doing differently? Like I'm I'm not like that type of football expert where I can say and like predict, but like that's really I know that's going to be one of the main storylines like going into this game. Like what is Steve Wilkes going to do? Um cuz if not like I don't know, Kyle Shanahan's no he's not scared to like call people out. Like he wasn't scared to call Steve Wilkes out after like not the, the Vikings game, there was one other game he made a not, not the best call and so we'll see what happens, but I think that's going to be like a big focus for sure. Now I will say this. I I'm not necessarily mad at Steve Wilkes for the Vikings call because if Ward catches the football, instead of trying to catch the ball against his pads, that's an interception. But you know, that's where I kind of, I'm a little tougher on defensive backs. I will say because Ward was right there in position, but instead of him going to go catch the ball, he let the ball catch him and let it go into his pads. And when that happened, it allowed it to kind of move around and then Addison to catch it off a little deflection. So that's where I, at that point, it wasn't a great call. I, I agree. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but Ward, Ward could have made it a great call if he would have just picked the pass. It was literally right into his hands and it went right through his hands. And I'm like, Okay, I know I know they make the jokes. Defensive backs just wide receivers can't catch. I know they make those jokes, but that one was right there for him, and he just completely missed it. And I was like, I was that's why I think I was most mad. I wasn't most mad at the call. I was mad that Ward missed the football, <laughs> probably more than anything. That's a fresh perspective. I think you're the first person who's put the onus on one of the players. So a lot of people would argue that you make a play like that, seven-man blitz, you're sending everybody. You know, like that's not the – the call is not really putting your players in position to make a play on an interception. And so that was really like – I have not heard anybody make the case that you're making. But I think that's refreshing. Like I I think Steve Wilkes, as a, you know, as a black man NFL leadership, he gets like really, really hard criticism – that we might not see for everyone who looks like him in the same position. So shout out to you for making that point. It's a good point. Yeah. I just, I, I can't believe no one talked about that. It just kind of, it, it boggled my mind that no one said anything like that, but you know, well, uh, before we get into Jacksonville, we're going to get into Jacksonville versus San Francisco, but you know, we do have to, uh, you know, have commercial break and, uh, you know, talk about the, you know, the sponsors and things like that. So we'll be right back on Touring AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. A shift. A shift is something that happens and changes the dynamics. And that's what happened when Garrett Logistics was born. After 10 years as a sales pro in the logistics world of sporting goods, John Garrett decided to pivot to the world of freight and start a brokerage. So you're saying to yourself, 
why trust Garrett Logistics? Well, Garrett Logistics helps shippers improve overall workflow along with increased on-time pickup and delivery percentages. Last-minute loads, multi-drop pickups, and more are part of the services with Garrett Logistics. They're available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. All times Central Standard Time. So give them a ring at 615-400-8484. That's 615-400-8484. Or you can email them at john at garrettlogistics.co or visit their website at garrettlogistics.co. Garrett Logistics, where the motto is, it's not just freight to us, it's your business. All right, and we are back on touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Of course, the big game this week, San Francisco 49ers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, for those that aren't aware, the Jacksonville Jaguars are in a quit, quite a bit of a role right now. They are 6-2 and and with them winning five straight games. Now, of course, plenty of people downplay it, you know, obviously, because it's the AFC South. And people are like, oh, what's the AFC South? They're supposed to do this or things like that. But six five wins in a row is five wins in a row. And they have been doing it and doing it in different ways. Uh, so I've got to give them respect. And people I think you ought to as well. They are a good team. Um, but, of course, going into this game, I'm pretty sure there are some feelings about the 49ers in terms of their fans as well as <laughs> the team itself going to this game. Do you um I mean I know you're closer to it out there. Do you get any sense of they're okay or do you get a sense of kind of worry about them heading into this game? Um I'm going to be honest with you I, what, from what I've seen, I think that a lot of 49ers fans think that this is one that they can win. But, of course, like, you go on a three-game losing streak, there's going to be some despair. NFL fans are probably the most dramatic fan base, like, in sports. Like, <laughs> things when things go wrong, you're going to hear about it. And I've definitely seen a lot of negative feedback. Like I said, a lot of the stuff that I saw was about Steve Wilkes, but, of course, there was a lot about Brock Purdy. Um, but I, I do think that, yeah, like, it, this is – it's the NFL. So people are sweating. Like you need to break this, this losing streak, especially because each game, like at each game. So these last three games that the 49ers have lost, they put up 17 points in each of those three games, but each of their, like their opponent each week has scored more. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm. in that first loss, I think it was like 19 points. The second one, it was 22 points. This most recent one was 31, 31 points that the Bengals put up on them. So I think that that is like, the thing it can't keep getting worse like that's the overall sense that i'm getting it's like it needs to get better in this game that's the sense so basically what you're saying is they're hoping this is the rain and they're hoping the sun is coming soon exactly exactly in a way like it has to be if you you think about it the jaguars five game winning streak is that what you said five games that's really wild so to me it's like they're gonna go for six are they (laughs) You don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. But, you know, I will say that the last time that the 49ers did visit the Jacksonville Jaguars, they did handle business down there in Jacksonville. So you know, that's true. Definitely. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll definitely see what happens there. But um, kind of, um, you know, something that kind of interests me about this game is the Jaguars O-line. Now, the Jaguars offensive line has been quite interesting. They did have Walker Little. 
and Anton Harrison starting at tackles to start the year. Of course, that was because uh, one of their starting tackles was out. Uh, but of course, he's back now. They moved him down to uh, they moved him to tackle, of course, uh, and now they've moved Walker Little down to uh, guard. Kind of gives them their strongest uh, five. Of course, you got uh, Reef that uh, played for or struck to play for the Commanders. He came down and now he plays guard. And of course, they have a center. I think a young center from Kentucky, I believe. But they're 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 an offensive line. They're kind of they're okay, but you know they're going against a defensive line that's rested, that's probably ready to break out now. Just being that it's, it is an offensive line or a trenches battle, do you think that this could potentially be a game that the 49ers break out, or do you think the Jaguars are going to figure out some magical quote or potion to figure out how to block all these guys, especially with the addition of Chase Young coming over from the Commanders? Okay, I'm glad you mentioned Chase Young because that's where I was going to go. I was like, I think this is going to be the Chase Young game. Obviously, like, for them to get him for a third rounder right before the deadline, that's huge. And I know that them having the bye week to kind of prep him and get him integrated was probably vital. And I know, like, you know, he was he was teammates with Nick Boza. Like, this is going to be – I'm actually – I'm so excited about it. But I think, like, the addition of a defensive end is enough to invigorate a lot of teams. Like, I'm a, I like the Bears a lot, so I watch the Bears every time mostly – and, like, I'm super excited to see um, the addition of Sweat. Like, when he plays, like, that's that's huge. And they spent some cash to keep him. Like, I think it was, like, 98 mil for four years. Like, that's what they're probably looking to do with uh, Chase Young if he, if he delivers. And there's no reason that he shouldn't because I think he had, like, what is it, like five sacks already in just seven games? Because to me, that's, like, that's game changing. And I think that, that he's gonna be somebody to watch. I don't know what the what the Jaguars are really gonna be able to do with like that type of like powerhouse. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be good. One thing I also want to throw out there too is that no everybody everyone forgets now with this trade, they forgot that the 49ers always already traded for another defensive end as well and Randy Gregory from the Denver Broncos. So now They've got him coming off the bench. They got Chase Young right there. They've got just a myriad of pass rushers. So, you know, in my mind, here's what I have in mind. Just want to throw this out there. You know, the 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 New York Giants, they they had the, the NASCAR pass rush from Justin Tuck and, and Michael Strahan, Osinumanura, all those guys, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking you get the third down, you got Chase Young, Randy Gregory. You've got um, either Eric Armstead or Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa on the field and kind of your NASCAR pass rush, potentially. So that's where my mind's kind of going in terms of all these pieces you can mix and match and do all those different things with. And I'm just like, wow, it's an embarrassment of riches up front. But let's just say, let's just say Jacksonville is able to keep them out or at bay for a little bit. That means that the Jacksonville weapons could be on display. That would be Christian Kirk, that's uh, Calvin Ridley, that's uh, Zay Jones, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy. If you've seen this picture, you know why I call him Bruce Leroy. But, <laughs> um, you know, and then you've got Evan Ingram as well. So, you know, you got all those weapons versus a 49ers secondary that has been exposed at times. 
Now, um, I know you talked about 31 points being the last uh, the last time they were out. They gave up 31 points. If they're able to keep this pass rush out, I I shudder to think what the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, receivers and tight ends could do. I think they could put up over 31 points. Am I wrong to think that? Well, I don't. I have so I want to counter to put up okay. 31 points. You got to complete your passes. You got to not make red zone mistakes. And I think that there's a quarterback in Jacksonville that's been doing some of that stuff. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's that's what I've been reading and seeing. So how confident are you in Trevor Lawrence ahead of this game, I guess would be the question. Because to, to score 31 points, you got to complete your passes and that type of thing. That's true. That's true. And he definitely has made some uh, some mistakes when it comes to uh, handling the football. I mean, you know, for example, the first game, he uh, gets the ball stripped from him. And, of course, that was like a miracle play. And then, you know, of course, they pick up DeForest Buckner, which was the name I was thinking of. He used to be with the 49ers. And then, yeah. But anyway, he picked up that pass or that fumble and ran it in. But there's been a good bit of those different things happening when it comes to Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars and turning over the football at times. And that's, that is definitely the great equalizer and could be an equalizer in this game uh, as well. But, you know, kind of switching over to the the other side of the ball for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've got to deal with Christian McCaffrey. Now, Christian McCaffrey can line up in the backfield. He can line up at wide receiver. And then with potentially Debo being back and potentially Trent Williams being back, which is huge, then you've got all those nice bells and whistles and motions and all those different things that Kyle Shanahan likes to do. And that's going to be a lot of stress for linebackers and safeties. More specifically, going to be Oluquan, the linebacker who basically he led, led the, the AFC in tackles last year. And then the previous year, he led the NFC in tackles with the Falcons. So He's actually a really, really talented guy. Can run side on the sideline. Then you have, uh, um, you know, a couple safety, you know, your safety pairing for the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. You got Cisco back there, so he's going to be. Uh, there going to be a lot of stress situations back there. So, you know, do you think? I mean, I'm, it's going to be a game that if the Jaguars are to win this, they're going to put some teams on notice about their defense. Would you? Would you? Would you say that? No, you're 100% correct. So like the 49ers, they are, you said something about riches. Like that's really what the 49ers offense, full size of the ball is ridiculous. Like they just have so much talent. I think one reason that they're able to keep all of these incredible players is because Brock Purdy is one of the cheapest quarterbacks in the NFL. So that I think probably helps them spread money around and keep talent. But you're right. Like this is a team of stars especially on offense especially with those returning players that you mentioned so i mean 100 if the jaguars can pull this off i'm i am easily swayed through through the first five <laughs> weeks of the nfl i'm not joking i was telling people that the 49ers were going to the super bowl and i was like so sure i was like it would have to be a miracle from god if this team did not go to the super bowl but it's the same way like if the if the jaguars were to pull off this win especially in like decisive fashion because i do feel like the 49ers have had so many like excuse they're not excuse i don't want to say excuses that's like very critical but like they've had things to kind of pin each loss on so like i think there was you know there was a missed field goal 
and like that second loss there was that you know steve wilkes call there was like there were there was brock party poor performance like there, there were just things that like each game there was a clear kind of story and reason that the team and its fans could fall back on for why they didn't win so i think like if the jaguars win this game and it's decisive that would actually that would be like, I think that national sports shows would have to lead with that story. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no way that you could ignore that or even really question it at that point. Yeah, it would be funny. The leading leading with the Jacksonville Jaguars, which plenty of people thought at one point in time to be the armpit of the NFL. So, yeah. But like I said, right that's assuming it. a lot. That's assuming a lot. That's assuming they win. And that <laughs> right. is in decisive fashion, fashion, which I'm – I'm not necessarily saying what will happen. I'm not a betting person, but if I had to put money on this game, I really do think I'd put my money on the Niners for this one, respectfully. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's going to be definitely interesting. You know, another safety I want to mention, Rashawn Jenkins. He's actually the unheralded safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's a guy that, that could definitely make some things happen and has been making things happen, but he just doesn't get the pub that Cisco – and Olaquan get. And of course, you know, you do have the pass rushers in Josh Allen and of course Trayvon Walker, which I still wonder at times if the Jacksonville Jaguars think they probably could have gotten eight more out of Aiden Hutchinson than Trayvon Walker. Because I actually was on a brother from another and I did not believe that they were going to take Trayvon Walker. I said they were going to take Aiden Hutchinson and then they took Trayvon Walker. And now I'm like, okay, I kind of look good and I kind of look bad at the same time. I'm like, good. <laughs> Because I thought, you know, they they should they, they should have picked Aiden Hutchinson, and now he's doing well in in Detroit. Bad because I said they picked Aiden Hutchinson, and they picked Trayvon Walker. So, you know, like, hey. yeah, but you you your mind was in the right place. So that's that's the most important thing. That's yeah, well, important. I got the other one. I got the other one right about CJ CJ uh, Stroud though. So I did get that one right. I you did say so he was the most talented. That was like my yeah. biggest off season like draft talking point. I was telling everyone like this pre-draft talk about CJ Stroud is going to be so ill-fated. He is a talent. Like I was so confident in it and I'm so happy that that's actually happening with all that, you know, cognitive mm -hmm. test BS and all that. Like he's, he is like an actual generational talent. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It sounds dramatic when people say that, but it's really fun to watch him play. And he seems like such a leader, even off the field. I know I'm getting off topic, but I'm like that. That was my off-season take. That I was like, okay, I got this one. Check. <laughs> yeah, I actually went and uh, you know looked at it again. I was like, man, I actually really did say that he was the most talented quarterback in the draft, and that they couldn't trot Davis Mills back out there. And I actually was right. Okay, there we go. I got one I can hang my hat on. But <laughs> real, real ones knew. We knew. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have reached the end of the show. It's definitely going to be an entertaining game between the 49ers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there is a game at the end of the show. It's five questions, two answers, and one choice. Are you ready? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, let's see. Um, I looked around, and I saw where you, you did a little four-by-four, four and you did the 100-meter hurdles. So um, which event do you like least of those two? Definitely the wait. Did you say four hundred meter hurdles or hundred meter hurdles? A uh, hundred meter. Oh, I definitely like the four x four the least. It's like the best to watch. The four x four is the best event to watch. I really encourage. If you like football, you should watch track because a lot of these players that are watching on the field, they ran track. That's where they got their speed. The four x four is like the best event. It comes at the end of every meet. 
and it's incredible, yeah. but it just sucks to run. It's painful. Yes. And it's yes. stressful. Actually, yes. Yeah. I actually ran the 400 in high school and the four by four in high school. And at the last what hundred, it feels like you're running on stumps, basically. The entire last little bit. Yeah, it feels like you're fighting for your life. Your lungs are constricting. The lactic acid is in your quads, in your hamstrings, it's in your butt. Like it just feels terrible. Oh, I don't miss worst. it. But the hundred no, meter hurdles are that's a really fun race, and I liked it a lot. No, I was scared of hurdles. Uh, I, I'm not going to mention on there why I was scared of hurdles, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, any man that that didn't do hurdles but tried to have somebody teach him to do hurdles, I'm pretty sure you understand why. But uh, let's see, as far as uh, baseball or basketball, which event do you like the most in terms of like to cover? Oh my God, basketball. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was, that's the easiest question you could have asked me. No disrespect to baseball. The basketball, that will always have my heart. I grew up watching basketball. I'm from Sacramento. We used to live right across the street from Arco Arena, and we would, like, trot yeah. over to the games. My brother plays basketball right now. He played in the Drew League this summer, and it was, like, a dream for us. Like, we were so geeked out. So definitely basketball. I could go on forever. We had the Monarchs in Sacramento growing up. A lot of those players were, like, in the community in Sacramento when I was a kid. So it was just really cool to see their influence and just, like, watch them be great. Definitely basketball. <laughs> well, I guess you were reading my mind because my next question was a Sacramento Monarchs question. I'm going to ask you, Yo-Yo uh, or Tisha Pinachero? Oh, my God. Which player so would you like the most? Are you going to take one player? Which one are you going to take? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> I think I want to go. Oh, gosh. I think I got to go Yolanda. I got to go. But, like, that's no, no disrespect because, oh, my goodness. But, like, yeah, it's got to be Yolanda. She was incredible. And like, I I remember seeing her around in Sacramento and being like, oh my God. So I would just I definitely, <laughs> say, definitely say Yolanda. But I think yeah. it's really cool how um, Tisha's been like very active in basketball since she's retired. And I like, I love to see that. So like respect to her. Gotcha, gotcha. Now we, we definitely had a little bit of a uh... Not Twitter beef, but a little little disagreement on where the, the next WNBA team. I, I would love for it to be in Nashville, but you know, respect to Sacramento if they do get the team. I will say that. <laughs> it ha I think I obviously there haven't there's not been a lot of like motion in terms of talks with Sacramento getting a team, but I actually did read a report in the athletics saying Tennessee had like things in place to make like a strong bid. And I wasn't even aware of that before going on brother from another, like that would have been something that I probably would have advocated for had I known. But I just think if it's not going to be in Sacramento, it should be in the South. I don't know. Like, I just think that's like easy call. But Sacramento, I'm telling you, this is a basketball town. Like we supported the Kings for 16 seasons of struggle. That's how much we love basketball here. Like they weren't even playing good hoops for a long time. And we were all in cowbelling and doing all that because we just love the sport. Now, I'll tell you this. If the team comes here, I would say it would be on Broadway. It'd be right across the street from Fifth and Broadway, which has the uh, National Museum of African-American Music in it. Um, and then it'd be right there on Broadway where, you know, the rooftops and, you know, country music and all that stuff for people who like that type of music. Yeah. So it basically would be kind of like a, a kind of a mixture of both worlds, basically, in one spot where the, the they would more than likely be playing. So. My counter to you is that we already have 
the Golden One Center, which is like one of the nicest arenas in the NBA already. Like already. And we have so much great stuff surrounding it. We're in the state's capital. California is arguably the best state in the country. We're in the, the capital of it. We're like 10 minutes away from the actual Capitol building, like the Golden One Center Capitol mm-hmm. building. There are so many like historic areas. We have old Sacramento, very historic. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I think I have like a counter for your counter to argue okay. that Sacramento is still the better <laughs> destination. All right, all right. We'll, 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 we'll have this discussion a little more. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it a little more, but uh, all right. You know, since you did say, uh, you said San Francisco, right? You went to uh, school. I went to San Francisco State for grad school. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with these two artists that were in the San Francisco, Oakland area. Okay. Uh, okay. You got to go to. You want to? You got one concert to go to. Okay. Are you going to the Too Short concert or are you going to the E40 concert? Oh man, Too Short <laughs> or E40? I think I'm going to go with E40. I I think that that one would be more fun. We're gonna mm-hmm. like. I just think I can. I can see that one, and he has songs with Too Short, so I can maybe he'll bring him out as a guest. I yeah, think. Yeah. I think E Forty is the pick. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. Packers or Vikings? You gotta cheer for one team for one game. Which one are you cheering for? Oh my god! <laughs> as someone who like grew up, I have like family in Chicago. My boyfriend's a big mm-hmm. Bears fan. I've watched so many Bears fans or so many Bears games. It would like hurt my soul physically, probably to cheer for the Packers. Like, I just don't think that I could do it. So I think I would go Vikings. And I think Josh Dobbs would make it easier for me to do that. If if he's still the quarterback by the time I'm (laughs) hypothetically cheering for the Vikings, I would definitely go for the Vikings. That's a team. I I honestly, I could have got behind them even with Kirk Cousins because he just seems like someone you kind of hope to see win at some point like you know like it's not it's not come together for him i i could have cheered for kirk cousins even so i would say vikings for sure okay all right uh let's see i think i have one more question i believe i do no i've kind of lost track of my questions but anyway all right uh let's see we got off talking about WNBA, and i just lost track of all my questions but anyway um all right i'm gonna give you this one nipsey hustle we got two songs from him Okay. Grinding all my life or hustle and motivate. Oh my gosh. You know what? I think I'm gonna go grinding all my life because that song used to play a lot. I said I told you I went to um junior college before I transferred, and mm-hmm. grinding all my life was always playing in the weight room, like sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Like I just always heard <laughs> it like lifting, and I just I loved it. But I mm-hmm. love Nipsey Hustle, like I could go on forever. Like rest his soul for real because he was a great great musician great rapper very like just obviously motivational his story the marathon is continuing like i really shout out to him but i would say yeah well i got a bonus question for you too i'm gonna throw this one in since uh we're talking sacramento we're gonna go chris weber or would you go with uh De'Aaron fox you going with old school or new school Oh my goodness. It's so funny. I was talking about Chris Webber like right before I got on this call because I was talking about like his impact on the city. He used to have a restaurant in Sacramento, I remember. It was like a big deal. Um, And obviously so fun to watch. Like I was a huge Chris Webber fan as a kid. But De'Aaron Fox and what he has been able to accomplish in Sacramento, 
is something that I'll never forget. Like it's been so incredible to watch him like bloom into the all-star that he is right now. I remember when he first came to Sacramento and like he got a little bit of attention across the league because he was such a fast player. And that was like the thing that people were always like, wow, he's so quick, he's so fast. But like, no, he is incredible. Obviously clutch, clutch player of the year. He seems like such a great leader. Um, and he is someone who's invested in Sacramento a lot as well. Like I see, I've heard of him being at like a lot of events. And so, yeah, it's, he'll go down in Sacramento history as will C-Web, but like Deer and Fox, it's gotta be him. Well, I bet he can't rap like C-Web though. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course that was a, a bonus question I threw in there. Five questions, two answers, and one choice. It's all wrapped up. And the show is wrapped up as well. I want to thank you, uh, Callie Lawson Freeman, for coming on. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what all things you're working on? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Callie J Law, C-A-L-L-I-E-J law and right now i am working on some cool stuff at yahoo sports every day i'm writing about the headlines that we are talking about so definitely keep it locked at yahoo sports i always got something new coming yeah definitely do that uh she produces some great work everyone's listening please go follow her on social media go blow up all her articles share them everywhere they're good um <laughs> And uh, I will say, of course, I am Mike Patton. Of course, if you didn't know, I'm the host of the show, Touring the AFC South. Of course, you can find me on Twitter. I'm oh, sorry, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at uh, MikePatton82. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-T-O-N-82. I will never call it X. The only X I recognize is DMX. Um, as far as on threads and IG... <laughs> as far as threads and ig you can catch me on there at the that's t-h-a not t-h-e underscore general underscore mp and of course touring the afc south you can find it on youtube you can find it on um if you want to watch the show of course you can also find it on spotify apple podcast uh, google podcast iHeartRadio, amazon music you name it we are there thank you all again for tuning in to touring the afc south with your host mike Patton. we're out Peace.